afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is day two of the 95th Nebraska State FFA Convention taking place at the Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln. The number has grown over 8,000 FFAers in attendance at this meeting. So lots of great things, lots of great conversation continuing once again. And it's always fun to get the kids perspective on what's happening in the world of markets. And another interesting day, of course, there's a lot of loomage happening on this because we've got two big reports that come out tomorrow. We're going to talk about this acreage report, the quarterly grain stocks report. Probably the quarterly weighs out more than what the acreage report does, but... This acreage report, could it bring some possible starting of acre wars? Because well, remember, these are just the preliminary numbers that are coming out. We're going to get all the details today, of course, coming from Sean Hackett. Sean, of course, with Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean, we got to start out there. Two big reports. I know we've got some reports coming out later this afternoon from a livestock perspective. But for tomorrow, it seems like these reports are kind of weighing more heavily on the trade. Well, they, they always are because they, you know, they kind of lay the foundation for what supply and demand is going to be you know, for the upcoming season. So when we look at the acreage, you know, we could be looking at um, a, a significant decline, we think, in soybean acres, um, you know, versus what the market's expecting, I think. Um, we think the corn acres could be considerably larger than, you know, than the market's expecting. And so, um, you know, that's kind of what we might think the market might be surprised and we could have kind of a, a big down in the corn and maybe a big up in the soybeans as a bipolar reaction to what this report might say on Friday. Of course, once the report comes out and the reaction's made, it comes down to weather. And no surprise there. I mean, we were talking during um, this week's cattle call that the weather's kind of like this. I hate to use this word, but it is kind of appropriate. The black swan. There's so much weighing in on what we might see and how it's going to have an effect on this market trade, especially with it so dry to the south and extremely wet with snowpack to the north? Well, super dry to the south. We have big snowpack in the northern plains. Cold, still very, very cold. Um, and, and then, of course, in the, in the deep south, it won't stop raining. So you put all that together, uh, Susan, you know, and it just says that the corn planting is just not going to get out and get done and get in early. And, and, and that's probably going to start shifting those acres quite quickly you know more towards maybe cotton acres might gain on that certainly soybean acres would gain on that um but it looks like corn you know is certainly going to get clipped here from whatever the government says tomorrow so as i said you get the initial reaction but then the market has to quickly decide if that's right or wrong and how is mother nature going to change it so as so. you as you look at that sean i mean and you kind of alluded to that these are just preliminary numbers but i think sometimes we hang too much on what these numbers will say tomorrow morning when they come out it's a starting point it's not an end point they are never the correct numbers ever uh i don't think they've ever been right so so it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with it it's a place to start and then the market then decides whatever they say if they've gotten it wrong or the market feels they've gotten it wrong, they need to make adjustments so that by the time we get to June, enough acres were planted that if we have a good crop, we can deliver enough supply to meet that demand. And so, so yeah, it's a starting place, not an end point. So how much prevent plant discussion have you heard? I mean, we've heard some rumblings coming out of the of northern states, the Dakotas, Minnesota. I mean, I know it's still pretty early. We're wrapping up the month of March, but still it's on the minds of these folks. Well, given how much snowpack there is, uh, how cold it's been, and given the potential for Red River 
flooding if we get all of a sudden we turn the, the heat on all of a sudden and we get all that flooding. I mean, you know, I'm hearing some a lot of, of people in the northern plains saying, you know, we could be looking at pretty damn plant deaths on the, on the level that we saw back in, you know, 2019. Um, you know, which was, you know, I believe that was one of the top prevent plant years we ever had when we had that endless rains that wouldn't stop, you know. So so looking at, at all of this, I mean, the acre war is starting. Soybeans will come out the winner on that if these acre wars come to truth, right? What's that, Susan? I said the acre wars, soybeans will be the winners on all of that. Yeah, soybeans are going to win. So, you know. I'm hearing numbers like 84, 85 million. It could be what comes out tomorrow based upon some of the surveys that I've heard. But, you know, that could be, that could wind up being a couple of million acres too low, uh, the way the weather is shaping up. So it's going to be really interesting to see how long the market trades the report and how quickly they start trading this delayed planting story. Because they can't wait too long to start trading it because if corn doesn't get in early enough, they're going to switch. So what is your thoughts on the way these exports has, have gone as of late for corn and beans? Well, you know, we've been seeing some better exports, especially for corn from China. It can seem, continue to be persistent buyers. It seems to me, what's very interesting, Susan, is that we notice that they have been selling their treasury bonds that they own um, like crazy. Like they've been liquidating their treasury bonds and taking the cash home. And at the same time, they seem to be loading up on um, U.S. grain. And I'm kind of wondering, this is my speculation, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, are they preparing for some increased geopolitical risks going forward? Are they getting ready for the potential for the U.S. and China might bout heads on a stronger, you know, more strongly? It just feels like they're preparing for something. It, it, so I kind of, it's kind of like it's a good thing. We get the demand now, but it could be a bad thing later if they stop all of a sudden because they bought what they needed and they don't need anymore, you know? And you're not the first one to mention that, especially with the recent meetings that China and Russia had. It, it kind of pulls up some red flags. Yeah, there's some there's some power play going on. You know, obviously Iran and Russia and China all sort of kind of coming together. Um, it's, it's a puzzle piece and something's going on with geopolitics that doesn't quite smell right to me. And... Um, and I just think we need to be on guard. We know, already know geopolitics has created a lot of volatility already, um, but I don't think it's done. I, I think we could have some, some significant up and down volatility depending on exactly how these chess pieces play out. Obviously, Mother Nature always playing the biggest. All right. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield again. Here, background noise is because we are broadcasting today from the Nebraska State FFA Convention, number 95 for FFAers here in the state. That continues in Lincoln through tomorrow evening. Well, we continue to talk about the happenings of these markets as Sean Hackett joins us again for the second half with Hackett Financial Advisors. And we kind of left off talking about this whole geopolitical world. And, and that just, I think, puts an interesting pressure on agriculture because... 
we got the food, we got the product that's going to supply the world. So we're closely watching what's happening globally. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're already seeing that Russia is making some overtures that they're going to withhold exports again. They're putting export taxes back on. It seems like that they've sold enough wheat to raise enough money. We're getting into the springtime. There's a lot of talk they might get more aggressive with Ukraine and damaging more agricultural infrastructure. The you know the meshing with China you know recently about how they're getting closer together and loving one another. A lot of things happening with geopolitics that um, you know, we really need to keep an eye on to see how markets are going to gyrate depending on you know exactly which which levers are pulled. But you know I think what it means is both the buyer and the seller of you know have to be ready quickly to act if we get a significant volatility event in either direction from a surprise as geopolitics continues to be um, unpredictable. Um, but but the thing that is predictable is more volatility from it. So, Well, and still kind of looming there in the background is this whole banking crisis. You and I were talking about that before the start of the program. Is there more issues that could be headed our way? Yeah, you know, I kind of feel, I really, really kind of feel that it, it, it reminds me of a hurricane. You, know, you get that initial extreme weather, you know, and then the, and then the eye comes over and you think, okay, we're good, we're good, you know, and I, I don't think we've solved it. The problem with the banking sector, you know, was one of duration problem, having a too low a cost of capital, you know, not having, um, uh, being able to offer high enough interest rates to keep deposits from leaving. I don't think we've solved that. And I, and I, I every week I look at the, the withdrawals from regional banks and deposits keep leaving. At some point that's going to surface again by somebody saying they don't have enough capital against the loans they have put out there, and we could be needing another round of aid from the Treasury and the you know, central bank to try to solve it. So I, I kind of feel it's not done yet, Susan. I kind of feel we need round two to come. We need to be mindful of that. So once again, there's just lots and lots of things <laughs> to worry about right now, and, and you have to stay on top of it, I guess, as best you can. It's not easy. So how is the dollar then all working into this? I mean, we've had some lower dollars as of late. Well, think of what happened, right? The Federal Reserve went through quantitative tightening and they withdrew a, about $400 million from their balance sheet. And then to solve the banking problem or to, or to, to kind of you know, fan the flame, they put all the money back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they put the $400 million right back. So they, they put it right back in the balance sheet, which is essentially means they put $400 million back into the banking sector in one night. So that's bearish for the dollar. That's weak for the dollar. It means you put more liquidity in and it makes uh, people sell the dollar because of extra money floating around. So, so long as that's the solution to any banking problem of more money coming in, then it really keeps the dollar under pressure, which ultimately you know, will help our exports and will help our prices you know, over time if we continue to have a dollar that's on the weaker side than the stronger side. Let's switch gears and jump over to the livestock side. And as always, when I have you on, got to talk about this dairy industry. Do we have some positives uh, going on for them? What's very interesting is African swine fever has really proliferated again in China. This, this is the third time they're going through it. And what we know from history is too much supply now means very little supply of pork later. And that means whether it's dairy protein, chicken protein, pork protein, beef protein, fish protein, they are going to be looking for anything they can get their hands on later in the year to fill this pork gap. And that is going to mean that they're going to come back for dairy in a big, big way at a time that their 
trillions of dollars of savings that they that their consumer has been building up in their bank accounts because of the lockdowns are, is going to be able to be put back into the economy when they get confident again. So the, the outlook for demand later in the year on the, for these two reasons says to me that we're probably seeing the worst of the dairy markets demand now and the lowest prices, and, we, and we're looking for a better go-ahead in the back half of the year. So livestock in general, should they be concerned, or are they going to be concerned through the summer months with some higher feed costs? Well, you always worry about the summertime, especially if we're correct about a drought pattern coming back after a wet spring. You know, we could be looking at some elevated feed prices. That's why we're trying to get our livestock producers to lock in some cheaper feed now, being that we've had some, you know, corns come down, bean meal prices have come down. I do think you want to make sure you button up, you know, your feed prices on these lower prices here. Lots of good stuff today. What's the best way, Sean, for folks to get a hold of you? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. You also can check our Twitter page, at Faradex11. Also can check our LinkedIn page from time to time on all three. We update some of these cycles and things that we look at to make our predictions. All right. Thanks so much, Sean. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That's today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.